Well, we're in this new series of dealing with the 40 days of which Jesus walked the earth after his resurrection. And the title of my message is A New Season. We all wonder what this world is going to be like in, in the reopening of society. Um, what is it going to be like going back to work or, or going into the restaurants or even coming back to church? And I promise you this, in the relaunching and reopening of, of Channel First Assembly is that we're going to do it right. We're going to do it that, with safety that you all feel comfortable and you will be informed step-by-step step, way before we ever even get this relaunched and what you could be prepared for. But the one thing that I do know in relaunching of our society is that um, the authorities in charge, what they're looking at is what happened, how they responded to it, and what they could need to be doing in moving forward. Now, I kind of believe that's exactly how the followers of Christ in that first century began to move forward. They were looking at what in the world happened? They needed to be looking at what the Word of God had to say to them and how they could move forward. So the setting of our, our message today, it is in John. So you could turn to that, the 21st um, chapter, but just hold that open there. And, and the disciples are on the Sea of Tiberias, and that is what the Romans name for the Sea of Galilee. The disciples, they were depressed. They, their leader, the Savior, the one they followed for three years, has been crucified. Yes, he's been risen, but they're still trying to comprehend all that. So they returned to what they know best, and that was fishing. Maybe they, they went back to fishing because, well, they needed to make a living. And, and I begin to think is, well, what were they doing for three years? Uh, how were they making a living then? But early in that morning, after fishing all night, they realized that, well, they're going to give up because they caught nothing. And and there came this voice from the shore asking them if they caught anything. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. One, they didn't recognize the voice or weren't paying attention to it, but they're probably pretty irritated and frustrated in realizing that someone said, hey, did you catch any fish today? Even fishing all night, and they caught nothing. But here is what it must have um, stunned them when that voice, it's in John 21, verse 6. It says, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. <laughs> I'm thinking, you will find some what? Some, you know, they didn't catch anything that night. This doesn't make any sense. They've been fishing all night. They're not catching anything. What difference is it going to make is to throw the nets on the other side of the boat? that that net is there beside or underneath that boat. These guys are professionals. But here's what really surprises me, is that for some unknown reason, they unquestionably take their nets out of the water, drag it over the boat, and throw it down on the right side of the boat. In John 21, 6, it says, 
when they did, they were unable to haul in the net in it because of the large number of fish. They were stunned at what happened. Suddenly it dawned on them who this could be. In John 21, 7, it says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved <laughs> said to Peter, It is the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's when if you read on, Peter just gets so excited. He, he, he takes off his robe and he jumps in the water, couldn't even wait to get the fish onto shore. He swims the shore to meet Jesus. They recognized Jesus not only because it was only him who could do something like this. Now, listen very carefully because it has happened before. In Luke, the, the fifth chapter, verses 1 to 7, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and let me read this to you because it's powerful. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, here they are, the same sea, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw that on the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were fishing, um, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and the one that belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, the scripture says when, when Jesus, when he would sit, he would teach. Think times I do that. When I sit, I teach. When I stand, I preach. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night, worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we will let down the nets. Boy, I love that. Because you say so. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow. Now, now we know that this happened again. Twice. This wasn't something new. Did you know that the resurrection of Jesus is not the first resurrection of someone in, in, in someone's life in the Bible? The resurrection of Jesus really shouldn't have been the surprise of anyone else because Jesus resurrected three people in his time of ministry in the New Testament. First time was Jesus resurrected the only son of a woman from nine in Luke, the seventh chapter. Here's what happened is Jesus and his disciples, they come into this small village. There's this funeral, funeral procession that is going by them. They stop. They observe what is going on. Jesus notices this mother whose heart is broken because of the death of her son. The scripture says he was moved to compassion. And so he stops this 
caravan of people, this processional of, uh, for this funeral, and he looks at that young man in which they were carrying, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. <laughs> and he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to the mother. And then they went on their way. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would have been following him. Uh, is is stunned of what happened here. Well, the other time is Jesus raises from the dead the daughter of, of Jairus and, and whom was a ruler of the synagogue. This is in Luke, the eighth chapter. This is someone who, uh, who uh, he was a, a roller there in the synagogue and, and the parents were just broken over the death of their child. Jesus heard them saying to the father, don't be afraid, just believe and, and he shall be her healed. Hmm. When they arrived at the parents' home, only Jesus, Peter, John, and James, and the parents were allowed to go into the home. They entered in that home, and Jesus stopped the people in the home there because they were crying and wailing and, and shouting in such sorrow and pain. And he said that she is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. Jesus walks into the child's room and says, My child, <laughs> Get up. The child stood, and Jesus said to the parents, well, he didn't say, ta-da, or, well, look what I have done. He said, go feed her. She was hungry. <laughs> the third time, we're also very much aware of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John the 11th chapter. This is the dear friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Then he would go and hang out at their house and rest his body from the weariness of the ministry. Jesus got news that Lazarus was ill, and he delayed his, his coming to Mary and Martha, and Lazarus ended up dying. They weren't very happy there, in fact. Um, they told Jesus, as if you were only here. Well, Jesus saw their, their brokenness, and he had them take him to the grave of Lazarus. And here's, here's where it gets really exciting, because Jesus says, roll that stone away. Now, I don't know if, about you, but I'm not sure I'm going to roll a stone away to the grave. And then he, he, he tells them, he speaks into that grave, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I don't know how it happened or something of this sort, but Lazarus came forth. I don't know if he just appeared at the entryway of that grave, tomb or he wrapped up yet in that linen cloth and he comes hopping out. There he is standing and Jesus tells them, unwrap him. <laughs> now I may roll that stone away, but I'm not sure I'm unwrapping some dead man who came alive, but they did. See, when Jesus taught the disciples that he was going to die and three days later he was going to rise again, they sh surely should have understood this because they saw it 
three times. And, and, and by the way, this is not the only time that the resurrection happened in people's lives. There were three times in the Old Testament. Elijah raises the son of a widow woman. We know this story that, that she had her son collecting some wood. They were going to have their last meal because they were running out of oil. Then they were going to starve to death. So what happens is Elijah shows up. He says, make me some cake first. Make me dinner first or breakfast or whatever it may have been. But he it sounds like he was being selfish or self-centered. But he knew what God wanted to do in their lives. So she did this in obedience. And then he says, gather some pots together to pour that oil into it. Well, she's running out of oil, didn't have much left. But they did in obedience, and they kept bringing empty pots there and kept pouring the oil until they ran out of pots. When they ran out of pots, the oil stopped. She had enough oil to be able to sell until that whole famine was done with. That's a great story, but that's not the end of the story. Somewhere along the line that this, this son of hers becomes ill and he dies. She is so broken hard over this, is wondering, what does Elijah have against her that her son was dead? But we read that Elijah prayed over this child three times. Not once, not the second time, but the third time he prayed over this child. And that child came alive. And the mother said, by this I know that you are the man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. The, the second Time is in, in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, where Elisha rises the son of, of a Shunammite woman, the son of a Shunammite woman. And here's what's happened. This, this son is out in the field with the father working. He gets this massive headache of some sort. His says that his head was in pain. He sends him home to his mother. His mother is rocking him, holding him, and he dies in her arms. Elijah tells a servant to go lay a staff on the boy and he will live. But it didn't happen. <clears throat> So Elijah himself shows up, and he ends up praying for this child twice now. And this child rises up. The third resurrection occurs with the Israelite burying a man in the grave of Elisha. <laughs> this, is, this is really crazy. In fact, I want to read this, and it's from the Message Bible, and it's out of 2 Kings 13, verses 20 through 21. Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the county every spring. Once, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw the band of raiders, so they threw the body into Elisha's tomb. I'm trying to wonder why his tomb was open, but it was there. And when the body touched Elisha's bones, so it was there for a time, the bones were there, and then when touched the bones, a man came to life and stood up on his feet. How do you make sense of that? How can bones heal someone? 
Maybe it's like when the disciples were, were walking through the crowds after they'd been with Jesus and their shadow fell upon people that they were healed. It has no, nothing to do with the shadow. It was the residue of the manifestation of God's presence that was on those disciples yet that touched their lives. I can't explain, maybe if it was the residue of the manifestation of God yet on those bones of this prophet that touched this man and he came alive. Uh, only thing I could say is, wow. But allow me to tell you, too, that, that there were two other instances where the, the people didn't even die. There in Genesis 5, 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. <laughs> you want to talk about being so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. He just took him. And then we read in 2 Kings 2, 11, Elijah went up in a whirlwind into the heavens. It was a chariot of fire. I, I, I think that, that NASA would have loved to have been there to see this blast off. Of, of Elijah going into the heavens in a chariot of fire. What, I'm, what am I trying to say here? God is in the business of doing new things. So let's go back to that scripture with the disciples out in the Sea of Galilee and fishing all night. And what, how does this have to connect with all this? Does, does, does Jesus walk out on the water to greet them? No. Does he just show up in a boat with them as he did in a room with doors that were locked? He didn't do that. Does he divide the water so that the disciples could walk to shore on dry ground? Well, he didn't do that either. Here's what Jesus did. And it's not a miracle. It's something that that we do every day is that he made breakfast and he asked the disciples to come in with him. And he asked them to bring with them what they caught, which he provided. Wow. I would have loved to have been able to be there, to sit at that campfire as that fish was being cooked and hearing that conversation. See, here's, here's what I know. I know this, that it, the Word of God is relevant to every generation. It is as ancient as days, yet it is as new as the broadcast news in the morning. Moving forward is actually looking back and seeing God's faithfulness. It may be new to those people, but it is not new to God. From one generation to the next, every time that they entered into a new season in their lives, in their world, it wasn't new to God. Can you imagine what it was like starting all over? Now, we're, we're kind of starting over here. But, but there was a story about Noah that hmm, starting over from nothing. God is in a new restoring business. So I ask ourselves and we ask God, what do we do now as individuals, 
as a family, as a church, as we enter into this unknown season. Jesus said this in John 21, verse 10. He says, Jesus told them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. God has equipped them what they needed to have for that simple breakfast. You see, church, is God's, God has already given them what they need to enter into their new season. When, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he has sent back to us the, the Holy Spirit. And, and it is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit knew exactly what we were going through. It is not new because, you see, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not only our backs, he has our side and our front. Listen to this in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have such a great crowd of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every incumbent and, um, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance. That's work with endurance, the race that is set before us. Fixing, that's refocusing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, say that out loud, perfecter of our faith, for whom the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Romans 8.34 says, Who is the one who condemns us? Jesus Christ is the one who died to pay our penalties, and more than that, who was risen from the dead, and who at the right hand of God intercedes with the Father for us. You see, my friend, this new season may be new to us, but it's not new to him. He's in the renewing, restoring business. He is the author and perfect of our faith. That means he will make all things work together for good. That means that when the word says that work in which he has begun in us, he will bring to its completion. He's given us the spirit of God to speak into our lives. Don't be frustrated. Don't be worried. Don't be caught up in what are we going to do because the Spirit of God will lead us. And I'm telling you, church, He is the perfecter of your faith. 